So she's probably a meme on Japanese Twitter somewhere, but it was just fucking fun. Over my dead body. Over my dead body. Over my dead body. Hello and welcome to Over My Dead Body, fatherhood as it unfolds. I'm your host, Alex Livington-Cox, and I hope you had a very good New Year and a Merry Christmas. Uh, A couple of public service announcements. We are available on iTunes and Spotify. And Over My Dead Body now has a Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter account. So if you search for the podcast name, they should come up. Uh, So feel free to follow us, especially my friends, so you no longer have to see my annoying updates through my personal accounts. Also need to do a quick shout out to Hazel's mother, Rachel, and DJ Bathtub, a dear friend of ours, uh, for doing the Over My Dead Body logos and music. Now, in the news, uh, the yellow wiggle collapsed on stage uh, during a a bushfire relief concert, stopped breathing. Uh, Very glad to hear he's okay because, like, that's that's like the John Lennon for three-year-olds. There's been smoke over Melbourne, uh, which is where I live. Uh, I couldn't take Hazel outside for several days, which really sucked um, because you want to go out and play with her as much as possible, especially during dad leave which is uh, today is my last day, which is a bit of a bummer. Uh, But my thoughts go out to particularly uh, people and dads living in Gippsland and other places around Australia like Canberra where taking your children outside is like just dangerous. Um, So very glad to see that rain's come to Melbourne. And uh, Hazel got her six-month immunisations and some extra jabs for travel. Uh, She took about a minute to compose herself after her third jab and I took about five. So this is going to be a two-part episode um, about traveling with a kid after our trip to Japan. Uh, The first part will be about, is it possible? Um, How do you go about it? And the second part will be about grandparent management, holidaying with family. Um, I know that grandparent management is one of the issues that new parents grapple with most uh, straight after they've had a kid, and so we'll delve into that next week. But on traveling with a kid, A friend of mine who's got a four-year-old and a four-month-old once told me, um, once your kids go into childcare, it all becomes about the holidays. So if you're inclined to travel, it's really important that you guys enjoy yourself because it's the only quality time that you're going to spend with your kids. So let's start off with the first thing that everybody worries about, which is the plane ride. Airlines will let you take a pram, foldable cot, and car seat as extra baggage free of charge. So any concerns that you might have about luggage tend to go out the window. Now, granted, one of your pieces of luggage, like, you know, I think we had 20 kilos each, one of them's going to be taken up entirely by the kids' clothes and crap. Given that they don't have to pay for a seat, that's fair enough as far as I'm concerned. If the airline's any good, they'll move you up to the front of check-in so you don't have to queue. Um, You're allowed on the plane first. You know, the staff that took care of us were really awesome. Travel during the day. That is probably the biggest theme that came out of our trip is that any time we were traveling, you know, into the evening, it tended to end in tears. So the bassinet is not a perfect solution to traveling at night. Uh, it was good on the way there. She had two of her 40 minute naps. We got her there in reasonably good nick. But on the way back, she couldn't sleep in it enough. You're at the will of the airline. Like we took off well after her bedtime and then we hit turbulence immediately once we hit cruising altitude. So the staff wouldn't let us get up and put her in the bassinet, so it just kept on, it just kept her up later and later and later. And by the time we got her down, she was really, really upset and really, really tired. 
And we just thought in that moment, why didn't we travel during the day? The couple next to us who were sitting next to us on the way there were also asking themselves the same question. It was quite eye-opening just how small the parenting community becomes when you're traveling. And so related to that, be in charge of your movements, especially if you're going on a family holiday. We divided up the tasks of the family holidays like, you know, you're in charge of organizing the skiing part of the holiday. You're in charge of organizing the day trips. You're in charge of organizing the hotels. You're in charge of organizing the intercity travel, etc., etc. Be in charge of the intercity travel. I would argue that that's the most important thing. There were three occasions when we arrived at the hotel well past Hazel's bedtime. All three were stressful. The flight was unavoidable, uh, but the intercity travel, we could have planned that better. What's her bedtime? When are we arriving? Can we get there earlier? I should add that some of it's going to be unavoidable. Like my legendary sister-in-law is a former travel agent and the shuttles that she booked just didn't rock up in time. I mean, what are the odds that I'm going to do any better than that? Another piece of advice would be prepare for the dismantling of your optimized life. Uh, one example is in my kitchen, in order to wash Hazel's bottles after use, sterilize them, dry them, fill them with either defrosted breast milk or formula, as is mostly the case now, and reheat them in the microwave. I could do that with one foot planted in the kitchen. Every part of the process is a single step away. In none of the hotels did we have a microwave in the room. That would be like 14 floors down. And then there's unexpected stuff that happens like in Japan, they tend to only have really low wattage microwaves. So a 90 second uh, sterilizing microwave session becomes five minutes. And if you're doing two of them, that becomes 10 minutes. And if you get held up at the elevator, set very quickly something that you have optimized in the home that can take, you know, I can really get it done in like three or four minutes. Um, and the process just becomes part of your daily routine. Suddenly it becomes this big block of time, like, half an hour or more that gets in the way of you getting up and out of the hotel and because your baby has so much stuff like we were just packing and repacking Hazel's bag every few days and that just became quite exhausting because all of her clothes are tiny all of the her toys are tiny all of her bottle stuff is tiny all of the breast pumping stuff is tiny all of the nappies are tiny and on the subject of the hotel rooms, like J Japanese hotel rooms are the smallest that I've ever seen. We, you know, pulled out her camping portable cot, which is the smallest sort of portable cot that you can get. It is tiny. And the minute we opened it up, the room was gone. Like that was all the space gone. It took us going through that to realize, fuck the cot. Let's just put some blankets underneath the desk, which is kind of like dead space anyway. And she can sleep under there. Perfect solution. I mean, it was really funny. The locals kept saying like, oh, I'm so sorry. This is the worst ski season that we've had in 10 years. And I'm looking around going like, this is the best snow I've ever seen. And I've probably been 15 or 20 times. So you guys have no reason to apologize to us. And I got to spend four days where I'd wave goodbye to Hazel at like, say, 8.30 in the morning, say hello to her again at 5 p.m., have a bath with her, put her to bed. And our washing and cooking was done for us as well. Rachel's mum was a goddamn saint. And it should be said that she did get some help, intermittent help from uh, her husband, John, um, Rachel at one stage, uh, Rachel's sister at one stage. But I was trying to think about when is the next time I'm going to be able to kiss goodbye during the day, all of those obligations for four days in a row. 
Uh, I, I literally cannot, I don't know the next time I'm going to be able to do that. Now, granted, it wasn't all rosy. Um, her sleep was incredibly disrupted. She'd be getting up four or five times in the night. So I was still pretty wicked tired. We were both pretty wicked tired. There's just things that you're not expecting, like Japanese insulation at the snow is just so amazing that the moment you turn on the heater, everyone's in their underwear. So she's waking up in the middle of the night because she's too hot in freezing. It's, it's like minus 20 degrees outside. It was just insane. But what I wanted to talk about is I started feeling the twinge for her on the fourth day. Now, I think the reason why it took that long is because the first two days I was, fuck it, I'll say this, I was skiing with family and they were significantly below my ability. And going to Niseko and then skiing with beginners when you're an intermediate skier is kind of like going to a strip club with the wrong prescription glasses. You're like, I'm just so close to getting exactly it is what it is that I came here for, but I just, there's something, there's something in the way. So I started really skiing on day three. That's when I was just getting, you know, that I want to do some selfish shit. I want to get that out. I want to get that selfish instinct out of my system. And then on the fourth day, I started thinking, just thinking about Hazel and wanting to really be back in her company again. And I think what that means is I need a day and a half of doing what it is that I want to do before I start really missing my child, which does, I think, mean that Rachel and I will kind of alternate a few occasions throughout the year where I'll take her for a weekend and Rachel gets to go off and do whatever it is that she wants and then we'll swap because a weekend, by the looks of it, is enough for the moment. As for the pram, prams are not travel friendly. They're a pain in the ass. If I'd had my time over again, I would have strapped Rachel to... If I'd had my time over again, I would have strapped Hazel to my body Rachel would have, I'm sure, enjoyed being carried around. But yeah, I would have carried Hazel uh, in many more places. The pram, the big incentive was we can put an extra blanket on her and she can be sheltered from the rain uh, when there was a significant amount of rain. But just, uh, do, do you really want to be walking in the rain with a pram, with a baby? Like, that? It, just stick it to your goddamn chest. If, they're, if, if they like that, just stick it to your chest and run inside if it starts raining. They're going to get your body heat, so the you know the need for an extra blanket is not really a thing. So that's what I would tend to recommend. Uh, just carry the kid as much as possible until you can't carry them. And I don't... The other benefit of the pram is that they can sleep in it. Hazel sleeps on me. Uh, I don't think that she got significantly more sleep in the pram compared to when she sleeps on me throughout the day, so stuff it. But the big advantage of the pram is that they tend to be, especially if it's forward-facing, is the kid tends to be a bit more out in the open. But the point I'm getting to is the unexpected but great reason to travel with a baby, especially in a country that's got a much more different culture to your own, is that the locals tend to be much more forthcoming in trying to make your baby laugh. And there's nothing better than someone else making a baby laugh when you make your baby laugh it's you know it's it is is endless fun but you're having to put all of this conscious energy into making them laugh you don't get to just sit and listen and i'll tell you a quick story we went to this thing called the robot restaurant and don't go because it's false advertising it's not a robot restaurant it is fucking dinner theater it's a preposterous storyline that doesn't make any sense and we get there and I'm already annoyed and we've got some headphones on Hazel. They dim the lights. They say, you can't leave 
until the performance is over and it comes in three acts and I'm like, fucking watch me if I need to. The lights go down and then all of these, you know, local actors in these really, really crazy costumes start coming out of the darkness with these flashing lights and Hazel immediately starts crying. And I started freaking out going like, fuck it, we, you know, we have to consider leaving. And Rachel kind of calmed me down and went, no, no, let's just see if we can get her through this. Um, I've got to say, she only, like, she was very fidgety for large parts of the show, but she did start to enjoy, like, most, like, most of the time she was fine. But there were times where I was just like, yeah, she's clearly more agitated than she needs to be. I would prefer not to be here, but... That, I think, is a dynamic that every couple would probably identify with. There's going to be one person that's more risk-averse um, and there's going to be another person that's more conservative. That Those roles might switch depending on the situation, but, yeah, I'm glad I listened to Rachel because it was good that we got Hazel through that because otherwise you just become a slave to your kid's, you know, tendency to cry. And sometimes you can actually get your kid through certain situations, so I'm glad we got through that one. But anyway, the point is... Afterwards, I was pretty exhausted because I was just like, oh, it was a bit more stressful than perhaps it needed to be. And we're on the train back to the hotel, and it was about 25 minutes, and these two local women, in probably in their 40s, just locked into Hazel and just started making a laugh. And that is like, when it happens, you're like, this is the entire reason to go traveling with a baby. It's just so cool. People just tend to celebrate new life everywhere. And that happened everywhere we went. People, people's faces just lit up and they lit up even harder than they do in Australia. I think probably because people are used to seeing like, for lack of a better word, white babies everywhere. So Hazel was a novelty and also sometimes we dressed her in a bear suit. So she's probably a meme on Japanese Twitter somewhere, but it was just fucking fun to just walk around with her and have locals light up when she came near them. And she's very, she's, she likes looking at people. So it was kind of like the perfect situation. So yeah, I would recommend it. I would seriously recommend it. That being said, when we landed back home in Australia, I felt very differently. And it's because of this issue of grandparent management, and we're going to talk about that next week. Until then, have a good one.